Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Will the Bucks make any surprising cuts before the regular season starts? And besides Devin White, who else will be the vocal leaders on that football team? And is this the best Rays team we've ever seen? Will Hard Knocks with John Gruden and the Raiders be their greatest show to date? Your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly. Again, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, you know, it's hot out there. That means the air conditioning is running all the time, and that means your electric bill is going out of control. Mine is, that's for sure. Well, if you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar. That's right. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like many other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. Now, they have a full showroom. It's open weekdays where you can see their products. May Electric Solar has been around for 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and peers. There are many other solar companies out there imitating them, trying to use their great name. But remember, they don't use subcontractors, and they do not subcontract for any other company in any other way. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. If you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 by changing to solar energy. Call the real May Electric at 727-819-2862. All right, Steve, we got some great questions today. Let's get started. All right, well, the first question comes from Jim, and it's for Coach John Gruden. He says, are you looking forward to being on HBO's Hard Knocks in 2019? Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I like Hard Knocks, you know what I mean? I like our defense to knock somebody's block off. I even like knock-knock jokes. I got one for you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Spider. Spider who? Spider two banana. Now get those freaking cameras out of my meeting room. HBO, that stands for halfback option, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best I could do. All right, well, Ellis follows up. Will Hard Knocks with John Gruden and the Raiders be the greatest season of that show to date or some of the best television ever filmed? I think the best television I ever did was on ESPN, man. You ever see the Gruden quarterback camp, man? That's some good television right there. I remember I asked Cam Newton, you know Drake, you know these rappers, you know these guys. Anyway, uh, it will be the best television. I, I Look, John Gruden's going to be the star of this show. Now, Antonio Brown, colorful guy, but the interaction between Gruden and Brown and Gruden and Derek Carr and Gruden and everybody, there's just no way that you know you, you don't start that whole you know television program without Gruden sitting there in the dark at, at 3.18 in the morning, man, when he's doing his scripts for practice, you know, and, and he's talking and it's, you just have a dimly lit sort of like hotel room or wherever he stays. I mean, that's, that's where it's going to begin. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's going to be great. I'm sure he hates it. He won't say it. I mean, he, like, he likes attention, but probably not, not that kind of attention, not when he's trying to get his football team ready to play. And it is, for all the, you know, they do a great job. I mean, Hard Knocks, it's, it's a terrific television show, and, and they do a pretty good job of staying out of 
people's way. But you know the cameras are there. Um, you know, they wire up their meeting rooms. One thing people will see, though, and I think it'll be good because they've watched the, the Gruden quarterback camp, is just how on John is in these meetings, how stimulating he is, how he's always, he's always on fire. Brad Johnson told me that a long time ago, particularly with these quarterbacks. You know, he is, he is never um, not prepared, and he is never not there to motivate guys, you know. And, and I think people, that'll come through in the meetings. You know, he'll, he'll show old cut-ups of other quarterbacks, and then, you know, they'll go through plays. Really like this? You like this? You know, and, and he'll just he, – he will just stimulate those guys. So that part will be great. And, uh, you know, the Raiders, I mean, it's their last year in Oakland. It's an interesting team. You know, I, I think it's a terrific selection. It was, he was either going to be him – or the Washington Redskins with Jay Gruden. And I think Jay hit it right when he said that uh, they need to go to Oakland and go go see my brother instead. See, I thought they would wait till next year for Gruden and when the first for year Las in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. I thought that they would have waited until cool. next year for that because there's no chance Gruden was getting fired at the end of this year. Yeah, probably Because he was not, hired for it, Vegas. I mean, that's, that's why and, they hired yeah. him was yeah. to move the team to Vegas and to be that star when they got to Vegas. Right, but who knows, like, you know, with training camp especially, like they train – the Oakland Raiders train in Napa mm-hmm. or have for years. Right. And so they're not even in Oakland. And when they go to Vegas, who knows where they're going to be? You know what I mean? Like who knows if they're going to actually be uh, in Nevada? I mean, we don't even know. So yeah. there's still there's still a lot of unknowns. And, uh, you know, heck, uh, with Antonio Brown – Antonio Brown and the arrival of him probably pushed them over the top this year with that, I think. Mm-hmm. I would agree. We have one more television question. It comes from Matt. He says, who does Rick view as the front runner in this season of The Bachelorette? <laughs> Are you serious? I haven't watched The Bachelorette in uh, probably a year. No, uh, you know, we used to watch that show years ago. I mean, going back to the, uh, what, the, the, the uh, was it the Palmer days? Who was the guy that, you did, that was The Bachelor, became an announcer for ESPN? I'm trying to Jesse think. Jesse Palmer? Was it Jesse? Jesse, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jesse Palmer. So, like, back then it was interesting to me because, you know, he was sort of in the NFL. But um, yeah, I just – I can't. I, I can't. I, first of all, I don't have time to watch anything. I'm way too busy with, uh, with, with my job with girls, with this podcast. In uh, sports is pre- predominantly what I watch on television. But um, I know a lot of people do, and I just – I can't – I hate to bail on you. I just can't handicap it. I well, really that, was, can't. that was our good friend Matt Baker who asked that one, so. Ah, uh, okay. Well, then I spent way too much time on this, Matt. Don't ask those questions, man. Who do you like? Give me a call. Tweet us at Sports Day at TV. Yeah, I've never seen The Bachelorette, so or The Bachelor or yeah. any of those. So. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not the worst off. Believe me. All right. Well, we'll get to some Bucks questions first here, and Jake leads us off saying, "I love this coach, and maybe this is going on in other teams, but I've never heard of an approach like this. Whether it's the virtual reality." Dual practices, huge staff, but it just feels like we may be onto something again. Finally, well, uh, the virtual reality has been around for some time. I don't know how much Jameis has embraced that. I know, you know, I talked to uh, to Bruce about it in my interview we played on on this podcast, and I wrote about it. They have Striver, which is a you know a tool that these quarterbacks and Carson Palmer used it a lot. I know that that Bruce wants Jameis to do it. Where they can put on, you know, put on the virtuality goggles or whatever those things are called, and and he can actually watch the Bucks practice from the quarterback position, um, and can look left, look right, see the defense, uh, you know, see where the blitzes are, where the hot reads are, and actually kind of kind of practice on his couch of, of making decisions and reads and 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 you know, kind of diagnosing what what calls he should make at the line of scrimmage. So 
from that standpoint, it's a real tool. I mean, Arian said that that was routinely Thursday night for Carson Palmer, and Palmer was pretty effective in this offense. So, but it's been around. Um, again, you know, Jameis had access to something similar to that, I'm sure, in the past. I don't know how much he's really used it, but I know Arians wants him to. The large coaching staff, I've never seen a bigger one um, or a more diverse one, for that matter. You've got three African-American coordinators, which is rare, unprecedented maybe. Um, you've got, you know, two uh, female uh, full-time assistant coaches as well on the staff. Um, so, you know, I think uh, that part of it is is cool. And he's got specialists on top of specialists, you know. He's got Roger Kingdom, who is a speed coach, obviously a Olympic champion, somebody that uh, is part of the strength and conditioning staff. He's got Chris Bonio, who is a kicking specialist, not a special teams coach, you know. I mean, they've got Keith Armstrong for that, but then you have a guy who has actually done it in the NFL to work with their place kickers. So all that is good. I mean, I think it's one of the best coaching staffs, you know, from from top to bottom. Some of these guys go back, what, 20, 30 years with Bruce and on the staff at Temple. Um, They've been together in in many different places and, you know, guys like Clyde Christensen and, um, and, and people like that. So I think that I think from that standpoint, it's good. I don't know how unique he is. He's really kind of old school, to be honest with you. I mean, he coached with Bear Bryant. He's got some some nuances, some new ideas. But fundamentally, and I think this is a good thing, you know, he's an old school coach. He, he believes in, in hard work and, um, you know, fundamentally doing things the right way. And, and I think that, you know, he has a certain swag about him that all of that experience has brought. So, look, the guy's won – twice he's won NFL coach of the year they just don't hand those awards around without you doing something and of course he turned around Indianapolis uh, the year Chuck Pagano had his battle with leukemia and went nine and three and and won a coach of the year there he won it in Arizona as well got better each year 10 wins 11 wins 12 wins NFC championship game so his credentials are great and you know even though he's doing it a little different way with Byron Leftwich as the offensive coordinator he's not going to be calling plays or game planning I think that there are some different things, but you know, by the same token, uh, it's a pretty good staff, and and I would I would be confident if I was a Bucks fan that you know he'll get the most out of these players. I just don't know that it's going to happen this year. We'll have to wait and see how that pans out. All right. Well, the training camp schedule came out this week, and Rich asked, "Why have the Bucks stopped the night practice at Raymond James Stadium in a fan fest? Both would help sell tickets, you would think." I'm not sure. It's a good question. I think that uh, I could ask that. You know, I don't have a good answer. They are going to practice at night. You know, most of their practices are open. They're at 4 o'clock. Most of them are open to the public. There are a few um, that are going to be exclusive to suite holders or that sort of thing. They do have some VIP uh, situations in there. But, you know, I can't – I really don't have a great answer for you. I thought it was a good thing to allow people to come into the stadium. You certainly can accommodate a lot more. But it also requires, you know, traffic control and – you know, various things like that. I'm just not so sure why, you know, what Raymond James' availability is, you know, what work they may be doing on the stadium or on the surface based on other events. I really don't have a great answer for you, but I enjoyed it. I think the players enjoyed it. It was a nice break. And at one time it was very useful. I remember when they had hired Jeff Jagosinski and they found out that he wasn't a play caller and couldn't call plays, was sort of freezing up and they even tried when they went to Raymond James Stadium for a practice to put him in the press box and have him you know call plays remotely and and he couldn't do it so it was it was it was informational for them 
at that at that level. So, uh, but I, I really don't know. I think I think they like their facility, and I think the indoor facility has has also changed things. You know, I mean, they didn't have that in the past. You can't always be sure of the weather if you schedule a day at Raymond James. You have to hope that you avoid thunderstorms and things like that, and it, it's it can be interruptive to their schedule. But this way, they can go indoors at least. All right, Stephen asks. Since the Bucks still aren't in great shape salary cap-wise, do you think that they will make any surprising cuts before the season starts to have cap room to sign free agents or replace injured players, etc.? Well, I mean, there's always one or two, right? I mean, I think every year that I've done this, uh, there's been somebody, you know, going back to, you know, whether it was, you know, Brad Culpepper getting cut or, you know, traded or whatever it was to Chicago Bears. I can't remember which. He might have been. I think he was cut. So there's there's always those things, and a lot of that depends on on what young players step up. You know, clearly, you're going to be replaced eventually, whoever you are. And salary is a factor in in pro football, and they don't have much room under the salary cap. I mean, you look at guys right now that you know don't make a ton of money, but they're veterans. A guy like Evan Smith, for example. You know, if some of those if some of those young offensive linemen step up and they they want to go with them instead of Evan, who's very versatile and a very good player. Um, you know, you might you might see a change there. You know, uh, is Will Golston going to be a guy that gets beat out by somebody? You know, will, will he operate in this off in this defense? He might be better suited for a four-three. You know, is Noah Spence going to be? He should be much better in a three-four than he was in a four-three. But is he going to take that step and be at least a designated pass rusher? So, there's always some name players that are cut, and you know, and and that can be at any position. Um, so yeah, I, I would suspect there'll be a couple. I don't think there'll be any like starting guys. I mean, like, is Vernon Hargraves going to get cut, for example? Probably not. But you never know. I mean, some of these rookies step up, and he were to miss some time with injuries and not, you know, not be able to show what he can do. I mean, it's a new coaching staff, and that's the thing. You're you're likely to have a lot more turnover the first year that a new coaching staff comes in because they've inherited most of these players. And that's when you see the biggest turnover in roster size. I remember Lovey Smith, I think the first year was 50%. And after two years, it was 75% from the team he inherited. So you're, you're bound to see change, and, and I think you'll see it this year too. Okay, Drew asked on a specific player, and he says, what do you think are the chances we end up releasing Jason Pierre-Paul? He's on the wrong side of 30, and that cap space will allow us to hopefully address the line when players start dropping off the rosters. I think there's a chance. I mean, I think a lot of it, though, like anything with Jason Pierre-Paul at this point, just depends on his health, right? I mean, right now he's on the non-football injury reserve list, and what that means is I I think they're going to wait. He's got about five or six weeks before they reevaluate that cervical fracture he has, and when they look at it again, if it's healed on its own, then he can begin slowly starting to do some football activity. But I've talked to Bruce Arians who told me, and I reported this, that under the best case scenario, okay, if everything checks out and he, you know, no, you know, starts to work and um, get ready, uh, that they probably wouldn't have him until October, just to be cautious because it is a neck, and you want to make absolutely sure that everything is healed up in there and that he's, you know, he's gotten strong and and that uh, his body is right. So, uh, you know, that said, okay. Clearly, if, if the doctors don't clear him and he needs surgery, he's going on IR to some degree. Now, it might be NFI list where he doesn't get paid or whatnot. Um, but I think that, you know, if he's cleared, my only question is this. By the time he plays sometime in October, what if they're 2-4, and four, you know, instead of 4-2? and two? Now, clearly, 
he'll give them a lift emotionally as a player. You know, if he's out there working and they can they see his legs come back and they, you know, there there's there's no problem again. Doctor's going to be cautious, but there's no problem or no chance of him or a greater chance of him re-injuring that, you know, that cervical neck fracture if it's completely healed, then I think I then I think it'll be a bonus to get him back. I think any team would want a, a healthy Jason Pierre-Paul coming off 12 and a half sacks, but he hasn't played in this defense. It'll be a long time since he's played football and, you know, they'll they'll kind of have to see sort of what they think their chances are with him with him coming back in the lineup. Again, I think record will be will be part of it, how someone is playing in front of him. I mean, say, for example, Shaq Barrett goes crazy and or Noah Spence or the combination of those guys plus Carl Nassib, and they're just humming, right? Um, you know, they, I mean, there's a lot of factors to that. But uh, my guess is if he's healthy that he will play, but there there definitely is a possibility he could be cut. I'd, I'd put it at, you know, I don't know, maybe 60, 40, 30, 70, 30, something like that, that he plays if he's healthy. All right, Allie asks, from what you've seen of this so-called fixed secondary, can you name the Bucks' starting corners and safeties? Well, it's totally fixed, not just fixed, but totally fixed. Let's, let's quote him accurately. Look, I think at least to start the season, I, I don't necessarily see a couple guys getting beat out. I think Vernon Hargraves will start at one corner. I think Carlton Davis will start at the other. Davis is, is actually going to be better. I think Hargraves will too in, in press man, which is what they'll play. They're not going to be playing off as much, although they both – can do that safety is a little tricky because I mean Justin Evans has had boots on both both feet now you know I mean he had the toe injury on the one foot and then he came back and had a boot on his heel and they're hopeful he'll be ready for training camp but you know I mean this his first injury occurred you know put him on IR last December so it's been a while so I don't know whether you count on him or not if he can't go um you know, I, I think that it, I think Mike Edwards, the rookie, for sure, will probably start regardless. And then you're looking at maybe a Jordan Whitehead, who was a rookie last year, or maybe even Isaiah Johnson, who played quite a bit, and he's been getting some reps at, at safety with the first with the first group. Um, but you're going to get competition at the at both corners, and, and I think to start, maybe their second round pick, Sean Murphy Bunting, will probably play nickel. He'll probably play inside. He's he's sort of you know, learning both positions in inside and out, as much like Hargraves did when he was a rookie. And the guy to watch is Jamel Dean. I know him and Davis uh, both went to Auburn. They were teammates. Dean is a little bigger guy, um, you know, still needs still needs some work in, uh, in the press coverage realm, but he's physical. Uh, you know, he, he's got to work on his technique a little bit, but I, I see him coming and playing a lot of football. They do like their young, young players. And, and, again, with the new coaching staff, not as much – not as much loyalty to guys like Hargraves, even though they picked up his fifth-year option. They think he's going to be better in this defense. Um, but, you know, certainly there's a reason why they drafted those three defensive backs. And I think you'll probably see them play here quite a bit. And, and you know, after that, you've got guys like Ryan Smith, who's experienced. He'll figure in there as a backup corner as well. So they got some depth. They got young, a young secondary. I mean, when the oldest guy is, what, 24 years old in Hargraves. I mean, you know, even though he's been in the NFL, this will be his fourth year, he really hasn't played but about two seasons. So he only played one game last year, and he only has one career interception. So they're looking for turnovers, and these young guys, at least in practice, that might have something to do with their quarterback play, but at least in practice, they've been the ones coming up with the turnovers, guys like Mike Edwards and uh, and Sean uh, Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean and those guys. So – uh, I think you'll see some young players mixed in, but th- that's how I think they'll go: Hargraves, Davis, Edwards, and then Justin Evans or either Whitehead or Johnson, probably at safety. 
All right, Buck North asked, do you think the Bucks will sign a veteran quarterback or safety? It's the one area of the team which doesn't have a, quote, leader. Have the Bucks ever practiced in late afternoon like this, like they will this year? That's the other question he asked. All right, two-part question. As far as uh, I asked about the veteran you know, defensive backs, either corner or safety, because I thought that that's something, you know, to have somebody back there who's at least been there, done that, I think is important, and especially with this young group. Again, because Hargraves is the oldest guy, but he really isn't established. He's only played two seasons. But when I asked Arians that question during my interview that we played on this podcast, he was kind of like, you know what, I, I thought that too, but – the problem that I have is if we bring that guy in, he's not going to get on. He's not going to make the team. <laughs> he's just like, you know, he's not going to have uh, enough left, enough juice to beat out any of the guys that I've just drafted or that we already have on the roster. So that shows an extreme amount of confidence in the talent that they have. And, and he said, you know, all we need is we need experience. And so well, how do you get that? You know, until the guys are on the grass against Julio Jones and, you know, Matt Ryan's eyeball him at safety and, you know, those kind of things. Michael Thomas and Drew Brees is, you know, trying to attack you. You really don't know how these kids are going to react. But he said – he even debunked that. He goes, look, we got Mike Evans every day these guys have to cover in practice. You know, we've got O.J. Howard at tight end. We've got uh, Chris Godwin. You know, we've got good players. You know, Brashad Perriman can stretch the field. So I think he feels confident that, you know, if they can come through – training camp and you know all of that play some in the preseason and show that they you know that that they can play against those guys then they'll be okay when they get to the regular season so interestingly enough I don't think they're going to add any veteran players at those positions unless injuries were to occur and you never know I think when you get to the third week of training camp and teams start cutting down their rosters they start calling other teams to see you know if there's a if there's a landing spot for them and there's a there's a chance they might just depending on the player. But I asked that question. I thought the same thing, too. And I was told, now nah, we're, we're kind of going go with the young kids. As far as the late afternoon practice goes, and I'll be very careful how I phrase this because I, I got a little pushback on it when I questioned it, you know, and I was just making a comment as much as anything. But, I look, I've, I've lived here my whole life, and all I know is that in August, which is our rainiest month in, in Tampa Bay, you could just about set your watch to when it's going to rain, um, particularly inland. You know, the, the pattern, the summer pattern is the storms build up inland. They sort of get pushed to the coast. And if the sea breeze is strong enough, they'll probably never get to the coast. But, but where Tampa is. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You can bet you're going to get some rain, and... Usually, you know, about 4 o'clock, anywhere from 3 to 5 is when you're going to get the heaviest rain. And, you know, I know they have the indoor facility. I'm interested to see if they're able to, uh, to sort of dodge the drops. It's not just the rain. It's also lightning and just, you know, the threat of thunderstorms and, and of lightning. So we'll see how it goes. I, I don't remember. I remember 4 o'clock practices. They've done that before. But to, to kind of systematically have you – know, most of their games are played at 4, so that's the idea that, you know, you get these guys' bodies, you know, set at, 
getting used to, you know, the routine of, of going out and playing at four o'clock. But, you know, in those days that they're going to play at four, they're also not going to be, you know, in meetings at 6 a.m. I mean, training camp is a different animal altogether because you do it and then you come back and you do it again and you come back and you do it again. And, you know, there's no days off um, except maybe the day after you play a preseason game. So uh, that's already different. So your clock's already a little different than it will be in the regular season. But um, this is what they want to do, and we'll, we'll see, you know, how much how much use they'll have to make in the indoor facility. But it's not it's not routine, and I've seen coaches all over the map. I mean, John Gruden practiced that when they had two a days, he'd start at eight o'clock, eight thirty. You know, Dirk Cutter's practices, he was done by eleven every day, um, and that was to do you know to beat the the worst heat of the day um, because there's about a four or five degree variance in between the morning and the afternoon. Uh, and also to uh, mostly to beat the bad weather. So, you know, now that the indoor facility is there, maybe they don't feel, you know, as threatened by that. But still, it's hard to get 90 players, 30 coaches, a bunch of equipment people, ball people, and then ask your fans to go inside as well. A couple of thousand of them, it's going to be a very crowded building. And, and with, you know, their, their idea is to have two practices, which means the field will be split in half. That That's a lot of congestion in a small area as big as, as that – indoor facility is and so uh, i'm not sure that's going to be something they'll want to do every day we'll we'll just see how it goes all right Allie asks besides devin white who else can you see being the vocal leader on this bucks team do you fear that there might be a lack of leadership on the field well i mean i don't know that there'll be as many talkers necessarily although they're encouraging that guys do speak up and a lot of that will depend on on the young guys uh, more so maybe than the veterans you know as far as guys that used to talk i mean you know you don't have like you know when you think about sort of the personalities they have whether it was jason pierre paul you know did he speak up a little bit uh, in meetings or or you know after games i guess you know in his own way but he was he wasn't a big talker levante david's uh, always a guy that can talk in the huddle but he's he's not a rah-rah guy either the guys have to lead the way they have to lead. And, and, and for that matter, you know, and Domicon Sue has never been uh, much of a talker, you know, on the field. He, a lot of these guys lead by their actions. But where the talking has to occur uh, is, you know, at every level between each player. You know, you've got to be accountable to each other. You've got to know what each other is doing. And uh, I think they've encouraged that, at least in the practices I've seen. And they're all, they're all talking among each other. I mean – you know, this, this, this deal about your leaders and, and who talks, well, there's two guys that have to talk. That's the quarterback and the Mike linebacker because they're the only ones that are, have the communicator in their helmets, and they're actually calling and relating the plays in the huddle. So Devin White is, is naturally talkative, and, and he will have that, that role as the Mike linebacker. And we know that Jameis is certainly going to be demonstrative and talk to guys. So – Really, after that, it's just the communication between each unit. You know, does your left guard talk to your left tackle? Does your center talk to your right guard? And so on. Um, but, I don't, but they, you know, they're not going to have – there's not a lot of rah-rah guys on this team. I don't know that that's a bad thing. It's just everybody's got to kind of be themselves. All right, we'll switch to the Rays now. And Sam asks, I know it's only 65 games into the season, so the answer might be somewhat skewed. But is this the best Rays team we've ever seen? I don't think I've ever felt more confident about our chances – even during the 2008 to 13 run, boy, it's hard to know that, Steve. I mean, I'm sure you got an opinion on this. I, I think that, you know, potentially could could they win more games? I guess they could. 
Um, they're deep. They're they're versatile. You know, they they've certainly got you know pretty good defenders. Uh, you know, as far as veteran leadership, you got some of that too with Tommy Pham. They got some young players, but knowing what we know that that 08 team went to the World Series and they had some some key pieces and some key veterans on that team, and we know what those pitchers became. Whether you're talking about James Shield or David David Price and those guys. Um, it, it's hard to say that this is going to be the best team that they've ever had. Uh, I guess, you know, he's right. We're only 60-something games into it. So, you know, so far so good. There's still the back end of the bullpen, I think, has some questions. I don't know that they – I think they're a little streaky offensively, you know. There are some bats that carry them, whether you're talking about Meadows or Fam. You know, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, they got they got some consistent players – you know, through the lineup, but I don't, I don't know that they, you know, like I don't know what you're going to get every day from Willie Adamas offensively. Uh, you know, uh, Daniel Roberts has struggled. I mean, I think at times, you know, they they lack um, some of the consistency on offense. So I don't know. It, I, I can't, I can't declare that now. Uh, we're we're too early into it. It doesn't feel like it's going to be the best team ever, but they're off to a great start and. As we sit here and do this podcast, they're still tied with the Yankees in the top of the American League East. So there's not a lot of American League East banners hanging at Raymond James Stadium. If they manage to accomplish that and or win the American League, they'll have to win their way to the title. But I don't think anybody's predicting that with this team, Not maybe not this year. Yeah, and I think it depends on how you define the best Rays team we've seen. I mean, yeah. are they going to win more games than the 08 team? They're on pace for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's not forget the Lightning set a record in the NHL and wins and then didn't get out of That's the first great, round of the playoffs where the 08 point. team actually made the World Series. So how are you defining the best Rays Greatness. team? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's a very exciting team. I think, you know, the pitching has been phenomenal this year. Sure. Uh, if there's one area I'd like to see improve, it's defensively, which I didn't think I'd be saying at the beginning of the season. That's true. Um, and and it's, it's not everyone, and it's not that it's – it's happening all the time, but it's you know we're we're taping this during the the day game on Wednesday afternoon, and you know Willie Adamas mm-hmm. a routine grounder, slow roller to him, but he can't get it out of his glove, and a run scores. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, and, and that wasn't counted an error, right? But that's a routine play that he's got to make. That you know, play it, has to be made. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's things like that where you know you'd like to see them improve. But look, is this is this have the potential to be the best race team we've seen? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, based on what they've done so far and, and, you know, looking at their depth and knowing Tyler Glass, now you're going to get back. You're hoping he'll be, you know, back to the form he was beforehand. Uh, Joey yeah. Wendell's close to coming back. Um, you now seem to have three catchers that you like on the big league roster with Michael mm-hmm. Perez going down to AAA. So if something happens to either Michael Zanino or Travis Darno, you've got some some depth there. So and, and I think they're going to be active at the trade deadline, too. Yeah, you're right. And and as far as the pitching goes, I mean, it might be one of the deeper pitching staffs and they they all they use all of them, but, you know, with with some of the the numbers that these guys are putting up and then as a staff, it's it's pretty impressive. So, they're going to they're going to maybe set they could set some records, let's put it that way. Mhm. Rooting for UF asked, does positional versatility have a point of diminishing returns? The Rays have appeared more solid defensively as injuries have forced less shuffling. Well, I mean, I think any player would like, you know, would like to know where he's going to play. Uh, you get better with repetition. So, you know, if, if I start, you know, most of my games at second base and, and only a few at third, I might not be as good at third as I, as I am at second. So I think that 
that stands to reason. But I think the overall strength of the ball club is the fact that these guys can play multiple positions. So I'm not sure you're a better team. Um, it's a great question. You know, it's it's are 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 you better just you know having a guy and just leaving him there? And I guess having played, I mean, I think my answer would be yeah. You get you obviously get more comfortable if if I'm only going to play shortstop or I'm only going to play third, then I can kind of drill that and rep it. And you know, you've got guys you know moving from you know outfield or third to first, and, and you know those those are vastly different positions. Playing the outfield versus the infield is is an incredible adjustment. So yeah, I think I think there is some, you know, some benefit to, to to having a consistent position. But I think overall for the Rays and the way they do things, I think the versatility is really the strength of their of their franchise. I think that the the ability to find athletes that can that can play without much of a letdown. You know, that's the other thing. Like you know, for most of us humans, moving from second to third is a big adjustment. For these guys, they do it in their sleep. You know, they they found some athletes that can go from infield to outfield and make it look seamless. So I think they got the right guys that can do that. Doesn't seem to bother them all that much. Um, but I think you know, you if, if you had a guy that was you know, if Cal Ripken you know was reborn and showed up, I don't think they'd move him. Maybe they move him to third. I mean, the Orioles did. But I'm just saying, you know, they they don't necessarily have that guy at every position. So you know, I think this is this is the way they do it, and I think they're going to continue to do it this way. Well, Raymond for president asked, with Colin Poche coming up and having success, albeit a small sample size, will this have any effect on the roster status of Chaz Rowe? If not, what will be the plan for Poche moving forward? Well, we talked to Mark Tompkin about this yesterday, and I think that Poche is going to find his way on this team for a good while. Um, I don't know. You know, Chaz Rowe has struggled pretty much all year, but it gives him another left-hander. You know, Mark talked about how how much swing and miss he gets, kind of a funky um, delivery, a lot of movement on the pitch. He throws a ton of strikes, and he's done nothing since he's come up here but uh, baffle hitters, much like, you know, gotten weak contact and, and, you know, and attacked hitters the way he did in the minor leagues. So I don't know who goes down. Rowe would be a candidate, but another left-hander in the bullpen with some plus-plus stuff. I could see Poche sticking around. Yeah, it might move Chaz into less high leverage situations. Sure, um, I, you know I don't think they're ready to give up on Chaz Rowe at this point, but mm. uh, you know it may put him in different spots where Poche gets some more high leverage position. Much like Pagan's kind of done that on the back end of the bullpen, where That's they right. can put him in high leverage spots and not put Alvarado or Castillo in as many of those spots because you mm-hmm. have a third guy in the back end of that bullpen. So, yep. Cotton asks when Joey Wendell's activated, who goes down? Is it Daniel Robertson, Willie Adamas, Christian Arroyo, a pitcher? You know what? I think it's going to be um, – I think it could be Daniel Robertson, although right now I, I right now I would say Arroyo just because – you know, when he came up, he was hitting really well. They go to Detroit. Um, he had one good game, and then after that he's, his bat has kind of calmed down, you know, so – he had his chance, and, and I think to knock a guy, I think you have to knock a guy out. I don't know that anyone's knocked Robertson out. Not that Robertson's playing well because he's not. He can't. He's not hitting. He's batting about two hundred, but he has a little more versatility than Arroyo. So if I just had to guess, I would say Arroyo's the one that goes down. Adamas may may lose uh, some starts at shortstop, but I don't think he's not going anywhere. They're not going to send him anywhere. So. Uh, right now, Steve, I don't know how you feel about this. I, I kind of tend to think that maybe Arroyo will be the guy going back to Durham. Uh, it probably—I mean—that's the the obvious choice. I think I think there is a chance that Daniel Robertson goes down. Um, sure. 
they could send Willie Adamas down if they just want him to play every day down there and 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 get some more reps defensively and and work on you know things offensively as well. But I think more than likely it'll be Arroyo, um, Daniel mm-hmm. Robertson. Although a lot of times these things have a way of working themselves out. That's true. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, you know, until Joey Wendell's activated. So, sure. All right, Les asked. Rick, it's hard to argue race pitching success, but they do have quite a few arm and elbow issues, Tommy John, etc. Is this a result of how they baby their pitchers or just bad luck? No, it's just it's the result of baseball. Uh, I think you can find it in any organization. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this a little bit, and, and I don't know the particular histories of all these pitchers, you know, how much they threw, um, you know, when they were younger, that sort of thing. It just seems like, more and more these guys are going to have a Tommy John surgery somewhere along the way. And, you know, I think these guys, and, and again, I'm not talking specifically to some of the Rays pitchers, but I I think that they, they throw a lot of baseballs and the velocity is the biggest change in the game. Used to be, you know, it was the overuse injury and there's still a lot of that. You know, you, when you've got kids and I'm against this, declaring that I'm a baseball player and I'm not going to do anything else, I'm going to play travel squad from the time I'm 9 and 10 years old. Um, and, and they play on their little league teams too, and they're playing eight games a week and doubleheaders on Sunday. Uh, I just think it's too much. And then, and then now the emphasis is not just on throwing ninety, which is what it was when I was coming up, but it's actually now you got to be mid nineties. You know, ninety one, ninety two might get you a scholarship, but it might not get you drafted. So these guys are trying to throw harder and harder at earlier ages. I've, I've never seen so much velocity that there is right now in the majors. It seems like every guy that comes in throws mid to upper 90s, some of them near 100. I mean, 100 was a mark that, you know, they would photograph and, and it would be it would be national news, you know, if it was Nolan Ryan or somebody like that. Uh, now now there's a number of guys that can do it just on the Rays staff. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know this particular to the Rays. I think some of it's bad luck. And and really overall, I just think it's, it's just a baseball, you know, epidemic, I think. You're seeing it at the youth league level. You're seeing it in high school. You're seeing it in college. And certainly you're going to see it in the big leagues. Anthony asks, what do you think could put the Rays over the top? I think they need a bat- batter known for success with runners on. Well, that's great. Yeah, if you can find that guy. Um, I, I imagine he's probably on a roster somewhere right now. But if you can make a trade for him, that would be great. But, you know, that's that sort of thing usually comes and goes. You know, it's usually year to year, you know. Um, yeah, for instance, G-Man Choi is not doing well with runners in scoring position this year. Right, sure. And you'd love to see that go up. But, you know, then there there's guys probably like Yanni Diaz that, that might be, you know. And and so you just, you just don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to say we're going to add a guy that's really clutch. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you do that? Um, but a bat, like if you're going to ask me, you know, could they use another bat in the lineup? Yeah, they could. I mean, they really could. I, I don't know where he plays, and I don't know who he replaces. But I, I think if you could find, you know, another professional hitter that, you know, is, is known for it, um, and I don't care what side of the plate he swings on, I think it would be good to add an experienced bat, whether it's a DH roll or pinch hit or something like that. Because I think offensively is where they're the most challenged. And, you know, but but as far as you know, yeah, you'd love to have a guy you know that hits 350 with runners in scoring position. I don't know that those guys are all available, by the way. And if they are, they're going to cost a lot of money. All right, we'll wrap up on this question. And CB asks, "How did you suppress your laughter when Tom Jones said that this Rays team would finish at 500 last week?" <laughs> well, I'm laughing now. 
Look, Tom Jones is – if you go back and, and check the tape, as they say, he's not been wrong very often, you know. He was even uh, he was even a little bit leery about, you know, how this Lightning team would do in the postseason. Uh, and they wound up losing in four games. Now, I'm not going to suggest that he knew that was going to happen. But but for as much as I know he, he got the reputation for doom and gloom, uh, I'll just say this. How much – how much postseason success have Tampa Bay teams have? In other words, if you take the under, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna come out on top if you're a betting guy, right? So before everybody, I know everybody wants you know the the media or whoever is supposed to support the local teams. Well, you got to call it as you see it. You know, we're umpires; we call balls and strikes. Everybody else has the pom poms and can cheer. You know, and so that's the way Tom sees it. I I don't know. I don't know that five, I mean, we think about 500. How far off is that from 90 wins? I mean, really? Well, you're eight, is, is, well, you're nine games. 90 wins is nine more than nine more wins than 581-81. Sure. So, so let's say they, they won 90 last year. And to repeat that, most people would say pretty good year. You win 90, 90 games two years in a row, pretty good years, right? Most years that you get in the postseason. But let's say they're eight games shy of that. Now you're at 500. So, I mean, it's eight or nine guys. It's not a big swing. You know, it's, he's not saying that, that they're going to, you know, they're going to finish last in the American League East. So we got a long way to go. Look, they're a third of the way through the year, right, roughly. And so, you know, it's hard to declare these guys AL East champs. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. There's injuries. There's a lot of things. But I do I – look, last year I said they were going to lose 100. People could have laughed at me out of the ballpark. And I really believed it. And they won 90. No, I don't know who saw that coming, but I credit the Rays, man. I mean, I just believe in them. I think they'll find a way to do it. I think their front office will find a way to do it. And, um, you know, it's uh, – I, I think they're off to, to – to, if you go back to last August to what they've done to this point, it's pretty damn impressive. It really is. And so I think Tom might, might be shorting them a little bit, but that's his opinion. That's That's – when he worked as a columnist and, and, and on this show, when we ask him, that's what he gets paid to do is, you know, I don't think he's trying to be provocative. I think he believes that. Well, we can ask him again tomorrow if he's changed go. his mind at all because he'll be on the show tomorrow. Absolutely. For Friday. And then next week we are going to be on vacation. What? We're going to actually take a vacation week next week. But don't worry. <laughs> what? Don't What's worry. That? Yes, yes. Don't worry. We have, we've pre-taped some interviews. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Dave Wills. Uh, mm-hmm. Clyde Christensen, the uh, Bucks coach, uh, really good stuff. Diana Nero's kind of previewing free agency and the NHL awards next week. Yep. So we will have shows for you next week, but we will actually be on vacation. So these are all pre-taped shows next week. So I think yeah. it's our first the time interviews... we've done this really since we started this podcast nearly two years ago. Well, we've done it in spurts, but not not. We've done for it for a day week. or two, but not not a whole yeah. week. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, um, I would say this that. You know these interviews, and I did one with Booger McFarland. We played last year during during a break. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, you know, I enjoy this the podcast for this format in particular. I like what we do, you know, daily in the mailbags and interviews, and we have writers on and and, and some interesting people throughout the year. But to me, uh, this format allows for more in depth stories. We did it last year with uh, with Andy Freed, for example. Um, you know, I've had John Lynch on. I mean, we've had a lot of guests that we were able to go a little deeper than you normally would in, in say, you know, a 10-minute conversation. So I think that uh, people will enjoy these. I, I've done the one with Clyde. We're going to talk to Dave Wills here uh, shortly, and uh, he'll be very, very good. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Diana's always good talking about the lightning and what's coming up for them. So 
these will be good shows. Make sure you tune in. You'll enjoy them wherever you enjoy the podcast, whatever time of day or night that is. Uh, these will be quality things. We're working hard to to get you good programming here, and um, you know. But we also we also need to recharge. So we're we're doubling up a little bit this week as far as you know planning some stuff. But next week will be uh, will be terrific. All right, some great questions there. Hope you enjoyed the uh, mailbag segment. Always a, uh, a popular addition and uh, really makes you think a little bit. I, I, I love the questions. Good job by all. Hey, Tom Jones will join us. Speaking of Tom Jones, on the podcast tomorrow from the Pointer Institute. And when the Rays open a series against the Angels tonight. That's a four-gamer going to last uh, throughout the weekend. So you can see Mike Trout and the boys. Game six of the NBA Finals is tonight. Toronto at the Warriors to see if – Golden State can uh, extend that to a game seven. And the U.S. Open begins at Pebble Beach. Who you got, Tiger or the field? Oh, the field. I think I'll take the field. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Tiger is, well, he has won another major championship, so I can't say that anymore. So, yeah, busy weekend uh, coming up here in sports, and we'll have a big show for you uh, tomorrow as well with Tom Jones. Hey, and remember, folks, you know, it's hot out there. You're running the A.C. all the time. Your electric bill is probably going out of control. You really need to consider – getting some solar power from my friends at May Electric Solar. Uh, they've done this now for a while. They're the best group in, in town. So here's what you can do. You can also get a 30% tax credit if you change the solar through 2019. So give them a call at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.